2: Paul, well, uh, thanks very much first of all for joining us here and the first guest on hopefully a new series of podcasts where uh, Greg Houston talks to. So thanks very much for being our first guest and coming along today. So to start off with, if you could maybe tell those who don't know who Paul Murray is, maybe uh, just uh, who you are, what you've done and you know the stuff that all the Rangers fans will know, but just right. introduce yourself. Sure. So,
1: um, yeah, so a uh, qualified chartered accountant, um, but I quickly get into the investment business about 1989. Uh, and I joined a company called Three I, which was at the time was the biggest venture capital company in the UK. Um, and actually, that's how I first met David Murray because Three I had a shareholding in his holding company, and I looked after the investment. So I got to know him through that. Yeah. And then um, uh, pretty much I had a career in investment. And for the last twenty years, I've been doing my own thing with my own money and other people's mm. so um, yeah that's pretty much uh, yeah
2: so, you, you mentioned you you done work for the company it was uh it had, had an ownership in david's company that's yeah. how it worked i'm um, going to ask you about that obviously your first involvement at rangers was as a director under sir uh, david murray's tenure so that was started off through the business relationship would that be right yes
1: yeah, so I, I got to know at the time david's number two was a guy called donald wilson who actually eventually went on the rangers board yeah. as well as uh, David's representative. Um, and what happened, when I looked after the investment that we had in David's company, um, about 2000, I, I was actually working in London at the time, from about 2000 to about 2003. And I came back, at, I'm obviously from Glasgow, but I came back to Edinburgh to work for a while and um, I kind of caught up with David and Donald. And at the time, the club was looking to raise money. <laughs> no surprise there. And... Um, this is 2003, and David uh, had a couple of ideas out to get fresh capital into the club. And uh, myself and four other guys put some money into the Rangers youth development yeah, I remember system. That, yeah. And we formed this company. Um, we put in some money, and it was actually a really good concept. The concept was to bring young players through from the academy and, and kind of use that funding to help do that. And then if the players made it into the first team, there'd be like a... Um, a kind of recompense back to the youth development company mm-hmm. to continue the process. So, I mean, some of the players that come through. I mean, uh, Alan McGregor was part of yeah. that. Charlie Adam, Stephen Smith, Hutton, Alan, the Alan Hutton, yeah, um, uh, John Fleck. Mm-hmm. Uh, who at the time, John Fleck was about. Like, I think John Fleck was about fourteen at the time, actually.
2: Oh. And um, this was before you were a director.
1: Yeah, so I got involved. In, I, I got into the kind of getting involved there. I get involved in the kind of a, kind of if you like. So. Um, you know, the board also had John Gregg and Sandy Jardin as directors, which oh. was great to meet your kind of boyhood heroes. And it was really good. You know, we'd, we'd all, all the meetings were at Oaken Howie. Um, it was good to get involved in the kind of running of the club a wee bit. Uh, Martin Bain was involved as well. Um, and I guess from that sort touch point, I was 2003, 2004, I kind of got to know people in the club and then they invited me onto the main board. Mm-hmm in 2007
2: so the, the the youth um company that you were involved with who were the other people involved in that was there maybe four or five people yeah from it was five,
1: it was maybe four at the start and it was five eventually so the four at the start was myself a guy called ian russell who was quite well known to the club at the yep. time he was a, a kind of business associate of david's um it was a guy called uh, walter Nimmo, who was a very successful sort of pharmaceuticals guy, made money in uh, sort of biotech. Um, there was a guy called uh, Ian Hart, who yep. I think was subsequently involved in the club. And then a guy that you might know called Jimmy Whitelaw. So Jimmy was a, a publican, had done well and sold his pubs and had a bit of money. Uh, Jimmy's been around the club quite a long time. So it was those initial four and then Jimmy kind of joined in. Yeah. So this was five in total. Um, it was good. They you know, all came from different backgrounds different perspectives, Um, and it was good to, I think we added some value to the club and we made some suggestions and, you know, it was good to see the young players coming through because obviously I think we're always fans, you kind of, although you want to see the big name signings, you kind of, you want to see the boys coming through the academy and obviously um, there's probably been not as many as we would have all liked to have happened, so to play play a part in helping some of those guys come through And then see people like Alan Hutton move on to Spurs yeah. and all the rest of it.
2: Oh, you see the careers some of them have was, away, pretty, away from Rangers it was as well.
1: Pretty satisfying, yeah. And I still keep in touch <clears throat> with guys like Charlie Adam and, and stuff like that. So it was good. Yeah.
2: So you 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 done that for a few years then. Was it 2007? 2007, 2007 yeah. And that was David Murray owned the club at the time. And um, how did that come about? I mean, was that just through the relationship you built up with uh, youth development?
1: Yeah, I, I, mean, I, was, I was quite friendly with Martin Bain. So I think Martin... Um, you know I had a lot of time for Martin and people with different views but you know I thought I thought he did a you know a pretty good job in the circumstances and um and I think Martin saw me as a bit of a sounding board so I'm mean, I quite friendly and he would bounce ideas off me and so on and I think he you know he, he kind of wanted a bit of fresh blood on the board and fresh ideas obviously I came from an investment background um, also at the time we're looking at uh, doing some stuff at the stadium that maybe I can help with so, um, yeah, I think, I think it was Martin that promoted it. And then because and, and I knew David, so David Murray from previous relationship, I think he was quite comfortable with, with me as mm-hmm. well. So I joined the board at that time. Uh, obviously, Dave King was on the board yep, yep. Um, as uh, a, a big investor. So I got to know Dave Very
2: quite well from that as well. And I'd imagine working in a board with those types of characters would have been quite challenging.
1: Yeah, it was challenging. It was a it was a different, you know, the the first experience. Well, actually, the first the first time there. So I was there from two thousand and seven to two thousand and eleven. So four years, and it was very much split in two separate periods. So two thousand and seven to nine were very much, um, you know, David's business was going really well and the club was doing well. Um, you know, Walter was back. Um, everything was going well on the pitch, just you know, with a couple of disappointments. Obviously, the whole in fact, my, my first season was Manchester, so I'm thinking oh, this is incredible. You know? yeah, you do every yeah. This is incredible, right? So, <laughs> but ultimately disappointing is obviously we we ended up you know only winning the two cups, and at one point we're on for the quadruple yeah. and, and so on. So, yeah, but it was going pretty much it was going well, you know, uh, uh, in general. And then, of course, the whole kind of banking crisis hit in. October 2008 and I continued from there and and I think that really impacted David's businesses mm. and that's when the bank started to get involved so the second period 2009 to 11 was when the real the real problems hit and um, obviously we can talk more about it yeah. in a minute
2: should back to Manchester <clears throat> yeah. when did you travel down and yes. were you aware of what was happening in the rest of the country all come into manchester or use yep. a wee bit in a bubble away not, from it all the time
1: not at all no um i mean wh- i used to love uh, the european trips because you know apart from just going to different interesting cities you met what i used to always do i used to always sit beside the finance guy in the other club yeah I used to have a pre-match uh director's lunch or dinner and i would always sit beside him and try and find out things that they were doing differently yeah. from us and try and bring back some ideas so so i mean that season I think we played 19 European games mm-hmm. because we we're in the we did the champion Champions League qualifiers. I think we beat Red Star Belgrade to qualify. But then in the group with Barcelona, Stuttgart, and Lyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously Lyon and uh, and Barcelona were incredibly interesting. You know, spending time with the Barcelona guys and it was incredible. And then we we finished third, dropped into yeah. the and then we had all the games up to Manchester. So it, it was a really really great experience, uh, especially my first season as the director. <laughs> But yeah, as regards Manchester, yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, I think, I we mean, look back in it, um, it was maybe a bit disappointing. No, no, no disrespect to Manchester, but you're expecting to go to a, like an exotic foreign country, yeah, yeah. and you're only dri- driving, you know, uh, three hours down the, uh, down the M6. But no, I, I mean, I think it was a, it was a good experience. I think the team was just, we're playing so many games, and the team was running on empty, and I kind mm. of, I, I kind of look back in that, the, the final was a bit. Disappointed in the sense I didn't think we did ourselves justice, but as regards the whole thing, it was really great. We, we went down the night the day before, I think I arrived there. We're in a hotel quite close to the um Granada TV studio, so all, all directors were in that hotel. The players were actually staying outside Manchester in a sort of I can't remember what that was called, but it's one of these sort of uh Vere country yeah, yeah. golfing clubs. And we actually went back there after the game, and uh, it, was, it was met with Ada Via. A celebration or a bit of a commiseration as it turned out, it was commiseration, but the players were you know, I think everyone was was, was down but accepted it. But you know, I we were only walking distance into Manchester City Centre, so we we walked in, you could feel the whole thing building as the day went on. Um, I have to say, I think the, the authorities made a mistake having a thing in the centre of Manchester. I think they should have moved the fans mm-hmm. into a, a better area yeah. because it was going to obviously with the sun and the you know the number of people were there. It was always going to be problems,
2: I think, and yeah. um, that was a bit disappointing. <laughs> the, the the whole day was just crazy. I I, I get picked up uh, sort of five six in the morning at um, Southcote Park by a bus supporters' bus that came from five, and the whole um, six um, was just like a car park. Yeah, and when you eventually did get into service stations, everyone was just a different party. It was just it was just a phenomenal experience. Something that I. And you know, I was brought up in the stories of Barcelona. I was born nine months after Barcelona, which thankfully my dad wasn't at the game. My grandfather was, or I might have um, considered a DNA test. And you know, been brought up in the stories of my grand being at the game and, and whatever. I, I just didn't think I would be fortunate enough to um, be as one in my lifetime. And now we've been at two. Yep. So the occasion got me. I can't remember a thing about the game.
1: Yeah.
2: I remember being there. I remember walking in. And the the only thing I can remember about the game was Renovo snatching at one. From about six yards out, and there was yeah. someone close in front of them, and I've never watched the game back. I don't want to. Yeah. I've got my memories of the day, um, but uh, it was a phenomenal, a phenomenal well, time.
1: It's funny. I mean, I, I, obviously, Seville last year was a great experience. I, I, I can look at the two things differently. Um, in the sense that I, I was just kind of happy to be in Manchester. I know what you're going in, to say. In the sense, that, exactly. In the yeah. sense that we would never have expected to been there. Yeah. But in Seville, I went expecting Correct. to win.
2: hundred percent.
1: And I was I was I was even more disappointed after Seville, so yeah. I, really, I really thought I thought was right I actually thought it was written in the stars. Mm-hmm. 150 years, you know 25 years since a row. Yeah. You know, all the various milestones. I I just thought we we're gonna win. Yeah. I really did.
2: Yeah and you by the width of a post or the, the width of a stud, it could have been a yeah. different story, yeah. but that, that's football unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So you you you're you're um you get appointed a Ranger's director. What's that phone call like?
1: It's well. I mean, first of all, the, the, even when I even when I got involved in the youth development thing, and uh, you know, I was going to the Blue Room and at the seat in the director's box, it was you know, it's a great experience, and you know, you, you kind of you know, it, I think the thing of anyone that ever gets, in, ever gets involved in the club, whether you play for the club or whether you get involved in, other, in some other capacity, especially if you've been a fan of the club, I think everyone would say, and I know that you guys have got ex players on here as well the feeling never leaves you. You know, the, the club, it really is a special club. I know everyone, everyone says that about their own club, but it, it, it's, a, it's an institution, you know, and you and you kind of feel when you walk up the marble staircase, I mean, even now, I walk up, I still get, look like, at hairs on the back of my neck yeah. go up, yeah. and you see all the history and the number of people that have been involved, and you're just a small person going through history, trying to do your bit to help the club. So it's a great, great feeling. Um, quite a funny story. I remember um, uh Unfortunately, uh, my, my, my dad was still alive, but he, he couldn't make my first game for some reason that, that I, when I joined the board. So I invited my business partner at the time, and he, he was he was disinterested in football completely. And uh, so he came, he came along, he was like, I'm quite keen to bring someone with me. And we're standing in the blue room, and I suddenly saw John Gregg, who's <laughs> my hero. And, and uh, you know, I, I regard John as the ultimate ranger, you know, so... I see John, and he comes over, Paul, oh, how's it going? And I'm, you know, he knows my name and all that. And uh, I said to Glenn, this, this is John Greg." And Glenn <laughs> says, so what do you do at the club, Mr. Greg?" <laughs> so apart from playing 750 games...
2: <laughs> being a manager, exactly. being a director. <laughs> <laughs> now apart from all that.
1: Exactly.
2: Uh, it must have been some... Uh, and what happened? I mean, does David Murray phone you? Does he say, can you come in with a word? I want you to well, be a director.
1: Yeah, you? what happened was... So obviously I was, I was involved through the Rangers' yeah. development, but in the actual director call, so I was... I was actually, I, I was, I was, uh, it was during the summer of 2007. So, Walter had just come back in the, in, in the January and, uh, also preparing for a new season. And, uh, I, I was, I was actually in Spain on holiday and I'd come back for a couple of days to do some business and I was in my house down the borders at the time and my phone went, it was Martin Bain and, and so I took, took the phone, phone call. And he was actually, so I'm going to put you in speaker for him actually, with David Money, And he said, uh, you know, David, and David, David's one of these guys, he doesn't really, he, he doesn't really muck about with introductions, he's just straight in, right? I tell you what, how do you fancy being a director? And, and it was that kind, of, that kind of conversation. And it took me bit of time, because we were appointed a couple of other people to executive roles, so I wanted to announce everything at the same time. So it took until the September, I think, before we, that was July, when the wow. phone call came in. It took to probably September before it was all announced. Yeah. And In fact, in the first game, the very first game after being appointed was Leon away. Wow. We won not see nothing over Leon.
2: So, did you take long to come to your decision?
1: Uh, about about ten nanoseconds. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> and then you had to keep. I take it you had to keep. I'd keep quiet.
1: Yeah, keep quiet. And then, uh, and then, um, uh, yeah, that, that that was really difficult. Obviously, told, told my you know close friends and family, yeah. but it was quite difficult. I mean, it wasn't as much. I guess, you know, social media in those days. So maybe keep these things quiet yeah, a bit, bit longer.
2: So at that time, <clears throat> what, what was the debt at Rangers at the time? Was it about 40 million level? Was it past that? Yeah, I, th- I think down? it was about,
1: it may have been about, yeah 35 to 40, I think, um, from memory, yeah. And
2: until and, and from then until Craig White took over, it came down to, was it about 18? That yeah, right?
1: it was 18 when Craig White took over the club. I mean, so what, what we did is, I mentioned before that, it was two very distinct periods. Um, so the 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 first period when David was 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 still chairman, uh, you know, before all, all the kind of banking issues, it was it was very much you know we we're still you know spending money buying players, um, and then when when David stepped down in 2009 and Alistair Johnson took over, with it it was a bit more of an independent. Um, Club from 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 yeah, yeah. From, uh, from the Murray Group, so the the board was a bit more in charge of decision making uh, up to that point. David was still the you know the majority shareholder, so um, the strategy after that was very much to try and um, try and get the debt down. But The way of doing that was to qualify for the Champions League, and and so we managed to to win the league all those years. I think two thousand nine, two 2011. We won the league in each of those years, qualify for the Champions League but Still got the debt down because I think you know, at that point, and, and still the case, then still the case now. The Champions League money is still a massive game changer in yeah. terms of the finances of the club, you know. Mm.
2: And Dave, so David had meant was it probably two years before Craig White came along that he publicly said he was willing to sell Rangers? Would that be a bit right? So,
1: yeah, so if I started, so, the, so obviously, I mean, David's never really said that I think publicly, but the bank, the bank were for the bank were really Bank of Scotland were really, um keen to to see the club sold and uh, obviously they've been taken over by that stage by lloyd's and they were a you know a kind of london-based bank no affiliation really with with mm-hmm. rangers of scotland and probably took a far dispassionate position than bank of scotland yep. may have taken so they were very keen to to you know get the debt down see the club sold on um and the first the first guy that appeared you might remember was a guy called um, andrew ellis so he appeared in the scene about 2009 early 2010 yeah. floated around the thing for a while um and then nothing really happened uh, There was a guy on the board by that stage called donald muir so yeah, donald uh-huh. muir was the the bank's representative uh, and he was he was keen to obviously you know see the club sold um so andrew uh, went away and then it was actually um towards the end of 2010 so the, the first the first time i ever heard craig white's name mentioned was the December of 2010. So we went to Bursaspor for a Champions League game in Turkey. And I always remember it was that, that really cold winter here. It was it was, it was horrendous snow from mm, the November to the yeah, March. I remember it. And it was even snowing in Turkey. So we went in Turkey and it was <laughs> uh, we had to divert. The, it was horrendous conditions. So we went there in early December to play the last Champions League game against Bursaspor. And Alistair Johnson was on the trip. Took, he was the chairman at the time. Took us all aside and said, look... We've had this proposal from Craig a guy um, a guy called Craig White gave us the the outline of it and that was the first time I heard Craig White's name.
2: Never heard of him before. and And then and you start making phone calls, do you? Yep. And so who's this guy? Did yeah. you find anything out before the horror stories came well, out? Well, I mean, then, you know what we found
1: out was was obviously wasn't didn't make great reading, um uh, but it was hard to find out too much. And at that point, um, you know, David was an eighty-three percent shareholder, so he was Selling his shares, so it was, it was his his deal. Um, and um, to be fair, to David Murray, I mean, it took a bit of pressure from Alistair. I mean, I have, to, I have to give Alistair Johnson a bit of credit. He pushed and pushed to get the club to have a say, in, or well, at least to see the terms of the deal and have some kind of say in in the sale process. Um, and David eventually agreed to that. So um, Alistair got got you know got involved. He you know he met Craig White. Um, I remember we then had a meeting, and it was something like the 31st of March, I think it was, of 2011. He actually ended up buying the club on the 5th of May, so maybe about six weeks before he bought the club. we um, The board uh, eventually got to meet Craig White formally, so we went to his um, his lawyer's offices in Glasgow. I think it was the 31st of March. And, so was a
2: criminal lawyer he had at the time? <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> and, uh, no comment. <laughs> and uh we uh it was quite funny because we there was like um ten of us on one side of the table and Craig White and wow. And and he was he was quite he was pretty nervous, as you would be obviously, and and um we, we'd all kind of submitted some questions we wanted to ask him and, and obviously every questions were different, you know. John Greg's asking questions about players and you know, things of that nature. Uh, John McClelland who's on the boards asking. So we're all asked slightly different given our backgrounds. So I said to him, um, you know, we're roughly the same age, you've worked in London in finance, I've worked in London in finance. It's quite a close, it's mm-hmm. quite a small market. You know, a lot of expats, Scots, do you know, A, B and C? Oh, Paul, I don't really know those guys. And, but you know, I've heard of them. And, and then that, that was a bit of a strange thing because it's you really, know, you would know these people. Yeah. And then I said to them, um, so, you know, I've made investments, good, bad and different. What investments have you made in different, give us some ideas of the, the companies you're interested in, what companies have you bought? And he said, that well, I don't really buy companies. What I do is, it was all very vague. And for a guy like me, who's pretty experienced in finance, I just, this doesn't sound, sound right. So I think, I remember we, we, we left the meeting.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
1: He was actually a nice enough guy. He was a nice enough guy and he friendly and civil, but we left the meeting thinking, this, this, this is so kind of vague and, you know, where's the money coming from and, and, and all the rest of it. So I think we all left that meeting with a, a, a short, Debrief and I think all of us were were pretty concerned, you know. And um yeah.
2: six weeks later, <clears throat> he's got, yep. the
1: yep. got the keys. Yeah, got
2: the keys, yeah. The one thing about that time, and I didn't know at the time, but looking back six you know, six months after Admin eventually hit I I call it the Reservoir Dogs photograph, where he was walking along Edmondson Drive, the first game in charge, and I think it was half Harps- was played. That's a whole and when you look back at the photograph, four or five of the characters in day one with them were the administrators that put us in the admin twelve months later. Yeah. It just stank. When you, you know, when you actually take a step back and you stop being a fan, it just cross your fingers and hoping for the best here. Yeah. And you actually started looking at it, it was just horrific. Yeah. Um and then again, excuse the ignorance with timeline because we're talking about 10 odd years ago and you can sometimes forget. Had you publicly said something before he got the keys, or was that yeah. after he got the keys? because I know there was a falling yeah, so, out. And... so
1: so so what what I did was so i I was probably the most vocal critic, and so I went public in probably the middle of April. so just about two weeks after that first meeting and I, and i and i uh, I gave a couple of interviews. Um, jim trainer actually was 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 at the record at the time mm-hmm. and um and I just said what I thought, and and I, I think I actually said, my fear is that it's going to lead to administration in 12 months wow. time. And then the, the most, um, I suppose, critical interview I gave was on the 3rd of May. Second or th- the, the, the Monday of that week, so I think he, I think he got the keys on the Thursday night, Friday morning, or maybe Friday night, uh, on the Monday of that week, so let's say it was the 2nd or 3rd of May, yeah. I can't remember, um, I gave an interview to, I think, to the record and I just I said what I thought. I, I didn't think it was the right deal. Um, you know, I thought administration was going to be the, the result because um, because the, the problem we had was that we had this we had this underlying tax issue, which you know the any person who has ever ever bought a company why would you buy a company with a, a tax liability yeah. you, know, you wouldn't buy it yeah, there's
2: uncertainty so there's
1: something else he's looking at and the only way out of it apart from negotiating a deal with HMRC which I always thought it'd be really difficult would, would be to put the club into some form of insolvency, mm-hmm. and obviously from a fans' point of view, I didn't think that was right. And then, yeah. so so you,
2: you've said some bad things about a guy that's just about to get the keys and own eighty three percent of the club. Yeah, the writing was kind of on the wall. <laughs> Is it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: well, yeah. So what happened was that, the just briefly. Uh, so um as you say, the, 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 the first game was the Hearts home game yeah. on Saturday, which went and we won two one. Uh, so the best of our dogs picture. He then came into the boardroom, and, and, and in those days we used to have the directors in the old boardroom. I was the one beside the, the smaller, one. Office, yeah. smaller one. Smaller one. Now, everyone's in the blue room. Um, so we're in there, um, and um, uh, you know, I mean, you're going to be civil, obviously, and you know, congratulations and all that. So he came in. Well, I remember, he came in with his dad actually, and uh, we were all standing there: Martin, myself, John McClellan, John Gregg. Uh, David wasn't there. And I remember, actually, that John Gregg, who, as I said, my hero, he, he said, um, he just whispered, he goes, Paul, look at your shoes. And I looked down at your shoes and, and you know, I'm not the world's greatest dresser, obviously, as you can see today. But, you know, if you're buying Rangers, you're going to be absolutely front front um, forefront of media attention mm-hmm. and Sky Sports and BT Sport and all that kind of stuff. And especially that day, you're just the new owner of this massive club. Yeah. And so you'd be out getting a Hugo Boss suit, and you know everything. Your shoes would be—you see your faces; you could see your face in your shoes. And and he was wearing like plastic pointed shoes, and you know, kind of threadbare suit, and and all that kind of stuff. And it just didn't quite equate with somebody who had just bought pretending they've got a massive football club, you
2: know? Yeah. So how long did you last until we decided that didn't want Paul Murray there? What happened? What
1: happened then was I I didn't get any, any, any. You know, kind of, there was no doubt I was going to be going amongst other people, and and but what actually happened was so that was the that was a Saturday, and then the following Sunday was the game at Kumana when we actually won the league. Yeah, I remember it well. So I had I had contacted uh, Dave King uh, in the week before the Commander game. Sorry, sure is, is Dave still on the board at so this time? So still on the board, yeah. and, and David said because David because David had had an investment mm. in the club. Dave was going to stay on, obviously, to protect his or try and protect his investment. So yep. Dave was the one guy who would definitely be staying on. And uh obviously the rest of us were a bit up in the air. So I'd contacted Dave to say, Dave, you know, just to let you know I'm going to resign after the Commander game. And I actually drafted and sent to him a resignation letter. Um and he said, Look, don't be too hasty. Let's meet before the Commandant game. So we actually all met the board apart from Craig White. We met and it was still that kind of transitional period where he was taking over the club and you know, the, he hadn't quite, well, he probably joined the board, but it was a, a new company and all that. So we met as the, if you like, the old board uh, on the morning, before the game, Camara game is at midday, I think it yeah. was, and we met at 10 o'clock in the morning at Ibrox. And, and Dave said, look, it's really important we all stay together here because we want to make sure that the club's protected and we get assurances and, because he'd made some promises about funding and all this kind of stuff it's very really important we, you know we all just stay together let's just you know at very least make sure that he does the things he says he's going to do and then after that you want to resign then resign so probably against my better judgment i said okay i'll, I'll go with that day that, that, that's that's fine so we had to come out again that was fine and that was the end of the season and then uh, quite a funny story so in something like uh, two weeks later it would be the i don't know 24th of may or something and monday the season's finished um were in the Scottish Cup final so that season had finished. Martin and, and Donald McIntyre was finance, i finance mentioned Don, Donald was a finance guy. They were working with Craig and his team to, you know, get the new arrangements together and and you know get things set up for the new regime. And uh the, the, the Sunday before that Monday, an email pops in at ten o'clock on a Sunday night and it just says and it's from Craig White's lawyer, a guy called um never uh, He actually passed away. Uh, Gary Withy. So so so, so yes, Gary. Gary Withey was his lawyer who died in pretty some mysterious circumstances. But yeah. he so he sent out this email as the company secretary, yeah. a new company secretary, saying, um, "I just said agenda." That's all it said in the email. <laughs> so it's like ten o'clock on a Sunday night. So I'm going. am going to bed. So open the, open up the the uh, no no. It says. Um, Sorry for the late, uh, you know, late email. Can we have a board meeting tomorrow at ten o'clock? At five, five o'clock in the evening, UK time, on the Monday. So, and it just says agendas, So I open up the agenda, and it's just got one item in the agenda, and it just says the future. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I uh, actually called Martin Bain and said, I'm pretty sure what's coming next, and we're not part of the future. <laughs> so, so anyway, fast forward the following day, we have this board meeting, and uh, I'm. It's one of the ones. It was days before Zoom, so we're calling in on a dodgy conference line. So I'm phoning in from Edinburgh. Uh, Martin Bain was actually with Walter, Ali, and Ian Durant on a charity thing in New York. So he's popped out of a restaurant in Fifth Avenue at 5 o'clock, uh, midday UK, uh, U.S. time. Alistair's phoning in from Ohio on a dodgy line, and he's out on the golf course somewhere. I think John Gregg, John McClelland, Donald McIntyre, and, and Martin are actually at Ibrox with Craig White and Gary Whithey and Dave King couldn't make it for some reason. And so the board meeting starts and, and Craig White is incredibly nervous. I mean, literally, you could just tell he was really, really nervous. And he, and he tried to crack a couple of jokes and it was just like silence and the whole thing was it was so tense. And Gary Withy then steps in and obviously in a very legalistic way, he says, right, first of all, you know, we, we have certain matters brought to attention. We are, we're we're going to... Going to um, Similarly, dismiss Martin Bain and Dolmanta for gross misconduct, and, and furthermore, although Paul Murray and Alice Johnson aren't employees or you know of the club, um, we were going to terminate them. As a, a slightly odd phrasing, it was terminate their positions. So it was like silence for a, a minute, and of course, um, Martin's in New York. Wow. Um, so I wasn't happy to see New York. And it's really dodgy lines. So everyone's kind of it was all this background noise, taxis and you know, wind whistling and all that. So Martin said, So did you did you say gross mis- what did you say gross misconduct? And of course the whole thing just degenerated into a you know with a, a slanging match wow. and uh, and that was it. And it, the whole thing lasted five minutes and uh, we we're all we we're all fired. And then <laughs> the following day, you know, it was the front page of the newspapers, the night of the long
2: knives and you know all this yeah. kind of stuff. That's because obviously everybody knew the story. Paul Murray's not here, Nick's yeah. right and and have left, but you never really know how these how these things delivered. You know how, yeah. how does that work? So you're away, yeah. um, and that's probably what nine, ten months before admin eventually hits, yeah. and you, you know, you, you're unfortunately correct with your guess uh, yeah. about it the year before. I remember where I was. I remember distinctly how that day panned out. Where were you and how did the news get to you?
1: Well, just before that, just briefly before that, there was quite a few things. So I, so I kept in touch with, uh, I was off off the board um, and then obviously Martin and Donald were off the board um, and then John McClellan said to John Greg in the October, this is so dodgy, we need to get off the board now, John, mm-hmm. as well. So the two of them left. So at that point, there was nobody left from the old board. Um apart from dave king who was obviously looking at and dave was you know really pressing for information and you know dave being dave been really diligent and all the rest of it and 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 chasing every point um and then i had kept in touch with dave right through the process and and then just out the blue um and this is a pretty interesting story so we we donald mcintyre had been working on this tax position with hmrc trying to you know sort that out um and there was two cases it was a so-called small small tax case or the wee tax case and the big tax case and so donald had a pretty good relationship with the, the guys at hmrc they were they, they surprisingly wanted to see me and donald although we weren't directors and so we met them kind of off the record almost and they, they, they just started to talk about some issues they, they couldn't get into too many details they said you know that's about various things how we accounted for things at the club and all that and you just get a sense that they were mm. concerned you know and then you fast forward to the november Better mind that admin was in february valentine's day um the i, I got a phone call from the inspector at hmrc and better in mind that i'm not on the board you know yep. Yep. so look, we, we're really concerned here you know we, we we don't want to be blamed for this because you know actually you know rangers are a big institution in scotland mm. You know, there's a lot of things going on at the club that we're not happy with. And can you help us? I said, well, look, I'm not I'm not involved here, but I can put you in touch with Dave King, as the director. So uh, cut a long story short, we, we have a we have a meeting um at the end of January. Uh and to keep it really formal, um we have it in my lawyer's office in Edinburgh. So I'm on so I'm in the lawyer's office with the two guys from HMRC and Dave King's on a conference line from Johannesburg. And and so to keep it, you know, keep it right, HMRC, we can show you certain documents and can you communicate these to, to Dave King? And you then start to see the whole unraveling of the season ticket ticketist thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was i mean, i was just sitting there horrified as if we have actually sold twenty seven million pounds of forward season tickets to fund this deal.
2: Yeah. To fund the purchase.
1: Uh, and that's you know, we're basically bust, but how can we possibly pay that back? You've you've, you've actually mortgaged your future. Uh, any, and and then so Dave was obviously horrified as well. And, and then, this is sorry,
2: the about November.
1: No, that was the, 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 it started in November. The yeah. a, that actual that meeting was 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 just before the end of January, so two weeks before. Yeah, yeah. And so I said to HMRC, what do you want us to do with this? He said we wanted to get, we actually wanted to make it public, so that we are not getting blamed. For this we wanted to 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 make it clear to everyone what's going on here. So we did that. Uh, it came out in, and, and I think the newspapers. The following day, that was probably the end of January and Craig White, you might remember, poo-pooed the whole thing mm-hmm. and he banned mm-hmm. the newspapers and a lot of rubbish, the whole thing's not right and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to sue people and all that and then of course, two weeks later
2: Yeah, it, obviously it's 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 kicking into territory of what you can and can't talk about because that man eventually went to court and was charged basically for an illegal purchase, which was included getting the money off ticketers and he, 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 he hawked the club to buy the club um, so we need to be careful how we maybe talk about that going forward. I've got my views, and I suppose, um, OJ Simpson was found not guilty in a court of law, so you need to bear that in mind when you're talking about Craig White. Um, but it was ridiculous, wasn't it? And how did HMRC know about that?
1: They knew about it because of the 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 VET invoices, right, so when you, right. when you account, for in, the account for VET, as you know, there's two sides of VET there's, yep. there's, there's what you what you gather in from customers you pay over mm-hmm. and the person paying the V E T can reclaim the VET. Yeah. So there's a mismatch between the two two wow. sides. Wow. That's how they that's how they, they they discovered it.
2: So two weeks later you find out officially, or did you, did you know before, I mean, obviously, to manage your knowledge and insight about business, you would have thought, writing's on the wall here, this is only going to end one way, but when did you find out officially that's it? Was it the 14th, like everyone 14th. else? It was the
1: 14th, yeah.
2: And where were you at that time, can you remember? I was
1: actually skiing in France um, on a family holiday, and um, I don't know if I ever told, you may have heard the story that... um my house was actually broken into. Uh I was going to ask you about that. Was uh, that
2: was that before it no, Ad- after that Ad- Ad- happened? That actually
1: happened. So I'm, I'm pretty sure the 14th of February. Um, was it 2012? Was a Tuesday, and on the Sunday, the, the early hours of Monday morning. So the 13th of February, the day before, I got a phone call in France saying someone's broken into your house.
2: Just when you were living in the borders. Right. Yeah.
1: and and then. I then I then met the. When I came by. Obviously, everything, everything's secured Nothing gone missing. Lamington off. All fine. You know, continued the holiday. Um, and, I, and we'll come back to the administration in a minute. But I came by. I met the police officer. He wasn't a, wasn't a football fan. He was a, an ordinary guy. And he and he was he was he was, he was just bewildered. He goes, I can't, I can't actually, I can't actually kind of get my head around this. He said, people. These people have spent a lot of time. They spent a lot of time in your house. They've made no damage to getting in. Most people just smash the window and go in. The alarm goes off. They grab the first thing they can get, and that's the end of it. He said, these people have spent a lot of time, you know, taking out a, a, a pane of glass, placing it down, you know, um, carefully not to break it, going in, the alarm goes off, and then they don't take anything. He said, that, it's, it's kind of unheard of, in, you know, in my world. He said, normally just grab an iPad or grab, yeah. grab something of, of some value and then just scarper. So he said... And he said to me, goes, it's almost as if someone was trying to put something into your house. Right. <laughs> and and so, there's
2: nothing missing.
1: No, there's nothing missing and and and, and nothing in the house either. So it was all a bit strange. The, maybe it was coincidental, I don't know, but it was all a bit strange.
2: And this is the day before admin? This
1: is, this, is, this is the early hours of Monday morning, the day before admin, yeah.
2: Wow. Well, can I, again, memory sometimes blurs things. Did it end up getting swept for bugs or something like that? Was, a, was that another story? Was that another yeah,
1: thing? what he said to me, I said, what do you advise I do? He said, well, he, said, he, he, he then said to me, it's almost if like someone's trying to put something into your house. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, could be a bug, could be anything else. He said, if, I, said, I said, what would you advise I do? He said, well, I'd advise you to get the house swept. So I did <laughs> do that. There was, nothing, there was nothing there. So it may just have been a coincidence. I, I don't know, but the... You know,
2: obviously the timing of it was was yeah. crazy in terms of the... Aye. I mean, it's not my podcast getting interviewed here, but I've certainly had in my time 2012 onwards some strange things that you no. think, is that coincidence? No. Um, but it does seem... I mean, I remember you were abroad, I think it was one winter, maybe New Year, and a Rangers fan sent me a photograph of your house flooded and I didn't even know where you lived at the time. And yeah. You were abroad, and I've sent you this photograph. Yeah, and yeah. it was your house was quite secluded. It was out. Yeah, you didn't have a next-door neighbour for miles. Mid-
1: well, yeah, it wasn't even that secluded, but it was. It was certainly in the middle of the country, and it was. It was actually on the River Tweed. Yeah. So it was out in the country. It was quite close to the the, the local town, Gala Shields, but it was. It was certainly, you know, it was certainly isolated. Put it mm. that way.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's for somebody to put that much effort in to not be disturbed. It's yeah, and bit. we
1: never had any, we never had any problem. I was there for. Uh, 14 years, never a single problem apart from apart from that.
2: Strange. Was there any of any stalkers at the time, no? Uh,
1: well, not well, to my knowledge, <laughs> but uh, never, never seen it. <laughs> there wasn't a
2: bunny boiling in the pot no, at the no, end I, of it. There I, was none I, of that, carry I, on. I, I can certainly... So, yeah. we're in admin. Yep. Right, you're out of the way and still get associated. Um, did you have any dealings with Duff and Phelps?
1: A lot of dealings, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we, I mean, we tried to... We tried uh, to, you know, buy the club. So uh, we had Douglas Park was there at the time, Douglas, myself. John, that's when I first met. Did I meet John Bennett? I met John Bennett the following year. So not not, not in the, the administration process, but Douglas Park. Uh, there was a guy called Brian Kennedy, yep. who I've got a lot of time for. Um Brian, um he then took over. He obviously... More money than than the rest of us. Obviously, he 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 tried to help. He 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 um, kind of came from a Rangers. It wasn't a massive Rangers fan. But he came from a Rangers family, and and he wanted to help. So he was. Uh, so he tried to help. Was um, there not
2: one time in the process where Brian Kennedy believed he had done enough to own Rangers?
1: Well, the night before Charles Green bought the club, and we had never heard of Charles Green at this point in time. Um, Brian Brian had uh, so Brian took over the. Discussions with Duff and Phelps, and he, um, he, uh, they, they said to him, "Look, you know, we'll deal with you." He said, "But you need to get Craig White's consent to sell the club because he, because he owned the, sh- the way the thing was structured. I can't remember the exact details. Craig White had to consent to the shares being transferred,
2: even while the company's yeah. an admin."
1: Yeah. Uh, so on the previous Sunday, so this is. two weeks before um, Charles Green bought the club, Um, Brian Kennedy flew to, fact actually um, a a week before Charles Green bought the club, the previous Sunday, Brian Kennedy flew to Inverness to Craig White's castle and uh, he met with Craig White and Craig White said, I'll sell you the shares on one condition and that's that Paul Murray's not involved. Uh, so so Craig, uh, strange condition. Brian, Brian phoned me from the from he Brian was then f- flying to America in his private jet, having flown to done a detour to Inverness. Uh, and he said, Look, this is the situation. I said, Look, Brian, obviously, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that. And I said, But you know, I, I, I'll support you all the way. If yeah, you, you buy the club, that's my main thing. If I'm not involved, no problem. Um, so, so let me get this
2: right though. The club, the business is an admin, yeah. Craig White's put us into admin, yeah, and he's deciding. They'll let the administrators sell it to Kennedy with his terms. Yeah, it's I, a bizarre yeah, situation. I, I, can't,
1: I can't remember. If there was a technical. It wasn't. It wasn't. A, it was legal. The way the way it been put together, I can't actually just quite remember the exact reason. It was something to do with the shares in. There was a holding company, and yeah. it, I can't remember the yeah. exact reason. Anyway, anyway, it needed his consent. Well, so, so that point. So, so, so that's fine. Um, so Brian then flies to America that week. This is a, this is a week that Charles Green buys the club, and then I'm I'm keeping in touch with Brian Kennedy, who's who's in negotiations with Duffin Phelps, and then on the Thursday night, the night before, Charles Green buys the club. On the Friday, uh, Brian calls me from uh, from New York or New York New York airport, saying, uh, "I've just spoken to um, to uh, Paul Clark, one of the administrators, and um, basically I've said to him." Do I fly to Manchester where he, where, he, where he lives or do I fly to Glasgow to do the deal with you? And Paul Clark's told me to fly to Glasgow. We're, going, we're doing the deal tomorrow. I said, Great. So well, I'll, I'll pick you up at Glasgow Airport. We'll go to Ibrooks and go from there. <coughs> so I picked Brian up on the um, on the Friday morning. We drive into Ibrooks. Um, we're waiting just to get news. And then Brian gets a phone call and he comes off the call and says, uh, that's Paul Clark. They've sold the club to a consortium led by Charles Green. So,
2: so taking your fans hat off for a minute, and just and, and the fact that you were involved in one of the two offers from a totally finance and business point of view, Kennedy bad made more sense. Well,
1: I think it made more sense in the sense that he was a guy that that um, you know how, how can I put it? He, he, he was doing it for the right reasons. He was he wasn't doing it to make money. Yeah. You know, he was. He didn't want him to lose money necessarily, but he didn't want to make money. Uh, he 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 came from a Rangers family. He had been involved in sport, before, you know, before. In fact, he was still
2: Sail I sharp, think the Seal sharks, yeah.
1: and he he done a couple of other things. So he was really interested in sport, yeah. investing in sport. Um, he he's um, he's very friendly with Graham Sooners. Um So part of the thing was to bring Graham back um, in some capacity. You know, so you know. I think. I think in terms of the custodianship of the club, he would have been a good, a good mm-hmm. owner. Um, and so that's why I kind of backed his. Yeah, his bit.
2: but even if you you know if you were, if your job is administrator and your job is to look after the future of this company yeah. and the, the best interests of the people with money, did Brian's deal make more sense than? The- well, I
1: think so. I I didn't see Charles Green's right.
2: deal in detail,
1: but if if as reported, it was five point. Was a five point five million? Then it was no difference really. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if that was the only difference, from what I could see, I would have thought that Brian's bid was better because, I, well, from a, a fine point of view, he was a better custodian.
2: And knowing what Brian Kennedy had to go through, which you've just told me about, to get um, Craig White to agree, excuse me, that he could buy the club, Charles Green must have been through the same.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that any well, I think that was that was that was the the very clear position that you needed you needed Craig White's agreement to to do the to do the CVA.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.